0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Unshakable Hope. Unshakable Hope is a reminder of the hope we have in Christ, how it is enduring and withstands and lasts through the ages. The hope that comes with knowing the
1: God who sees us, loves us, and will never leave us. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand.
0: Enjoy. Good morning, Valley Brook. It's good to see you here in our Granby campus. We want to welcome also our online campus and a special welcome to Graceland Church from South Windsor, who's also joining us online. Today we have a special treat. Uh, my friend, Pastor Paul Daddy, is going to be sharing God's word for us today. Pastor Paul is a pastor, is the pastor of Graceland Church in South Windsor, and we know we've had the blessing during this whole year of the pandemic to, to host his church and actually two other churches that are have been in rented facilities so that they could come and record their services here. And so uh, Pastor Paul is going to be concluding that recording here in the coming weeks because they're going to be moving into a facility uh, in the next month. Month. So give a warm Valley Brook welcome to Pastor Paul Daddy.
1: Good morning, Valley Brook. It's an honor to be here with so many people. As Pastor Clark said, I've been coming here recording on Thursdays with not so many people. Um, but Once again, thank you so much uh, for the um, selfless Christ-like gesture of um, allowing us to record here for over a year. Um, So many people reach out to us from all walks of life, places we will never be able to go to simply because we were able to stream um, and send out the gospel message. So thank you so much, Mr. Clark. and. uh, Like I always say, I wish somehow the people over the world would see how beautiful the campus is, but we will see it for them, amen? All right, let's say a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you and give you praise. This is your word. We are your people. Speak to our hearts like only you can. And at the end of the day, may Christ be glorified, amen. Speaking under the title or the heading, Unshakable Hope of Worth. Unshakable Hope of Worth. We live in a world today where our valuables and our values are changing by the day. If you're not too informed, you could walk by a department store and see a line and think that maybe they're selling oxygen maybe, but it could be toilet paper as we've learned. It could be hand sanitizer, it could be wipes. Um, And there's no saying what will be held valuable tomorrow. There's no saying what our values will look like tomorrow. As we are here right now, six feet of space is considered valuable because of the times in which we live. So there's really nothing to Hinge your hopes on and rest and have that unshakable hope if you look at what's happening all over the world. But as children of God, as Christians, as people who follow and believe in Christ, I don't believe that Christ has that same uh, mindset for us. We we have a hope that is anchored on, on his word and that is what I want us to focus on and hone in on today. Because in so doing, we will find rest and assurance that regardless of what happens outside, we can always have that unshakable hope of worth. So what is our worth? What is our worth? And I like to go to scripture for the definitions of anything as much as possible. So um, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 holds what I believe should encapsulate our worth as believers. It says, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. Reflecting our nature. God speaking here. In other words, you and I have an intrinsic nature of God. Inherited inside of us. We don't get it after we're born. It's not like a state ID, no. It's more like the DNA. You come with it. And it's important that we understand that and believe that and walk in that. The next thing I wanna ask, what is our value? What is our value? Once again, if we go to Romans chapter eight, verse 17, the Bible says, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So, Not only do we believe in Christ, not only do we look up to him, but according to Romans chapter 8, verse 17, Christ accords us that privilege, that right of being co-heirs with him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I woke up this morning, I didn't feel like a a co-heir. Right? It's almost like you had to... You know those old cars where you have to start it in the winter and leave it on for a while before the heat comes on? You almost have to remind yourself of who you are. I have three illustrations to try and bring home the point of focusing on this unshakable worth of hope that we have in Christ. Now the first is, you know, the purpose was to use a $100 bill. But I found one dollar bill, minus the zeros, but work with me, <laughs> right? So, this, do- this bill can go through so many cycles in life. It can go through a washing machine cycle. Uh, it, can f- it can fall in uh, some form of a liquid or food, and have discoloration here and there, and, and it doesn't look as crisp as it did when it first came out. But no matter what it goes through, it will always retain its value. It will never be less of a bill or less of the value that it was originally intended for simply because it has been through some mishaps. And we find out that in life, the devil would rather have us focus on the conditions that are not certain, the conditions that are shakable. In other words, he would rather us pin our hopes and our emotions on the changing scenes of life. But we find that that is not what scripture is. In the Garden of Eden, when the serpent tried and succeeded in shifting the focus of Eve and Adam off of what God has said to a supposed upgrade that existed in life, they missed it. Why? Because they didn't understand that there is no greater upgrade than what God has already created you to be. And we live in a world today, there's always an upgrade. You know, you could buy a brand new car today and in a month's time, they'll tell you that 2022 is coming out and it has a bigger screen than your navigation system right now. Or it might tell you that you have options of choosing whether the navigation system is a male or a female. It might even send another upgrade and tell you that you can choose a British accent or an American accent. So we live in a world today where even our value is being taught, we are told that our value is going up or down. But when we have the unshakable hope of worth, that is permanently etched in the word of God and God's view on us. Nobody can sell you an upgrade. Nobody can sell you an upgrade. Because unless Jesus Christ can be upgraded, then of course. But he can't be upgraded. And if we are heirs with him, can Jesus Christ have any other value other than being the chosen of God? No. So as we sit here today, let's anchor our faith and our hope on the fact that our value does not go up or down in God's eyes. We are valuable to God and that is it. The next illustration is a story about a gentleman who was a a mechanic in a little town. Now, if, if in that town he was the only mechanic, everybody brought their cars to him. So he knew families and he knew everybody. But he had a son who was not interested in becoming a mechanic. So this man had to figure out a way of what to leave to his son as an inheritance. So one day he called his son and he told his son, you know, you don't seem interested in this shop. So obviously we'll have to give it up when it's time for me to retire. And his son was like, daddy, but what are you gonna leave for me since I don't like this shop? So his dad had to think about it. So one day he called him and said, son, this is what I'm gonna leave with you. You see that nice little convertible, that antique one in the corner there? I've been working on it for about 15 to 20 years now, and that's what I'm leaving for you. Now I don't know about you, but if my dad called me and left me something that was before my time, I would question his value system. So reluctantly he takes this car and goes, um, and according to his father's urging, he goes to the, um, the dealership down the road, and they, they look at the car, and they tell him, well, it's lacking all the amenities that make cars what they are today, so we really can't do much with this car. He tried a number of places. Nothing was coming back positive. Luckily for him, there was a, a car show coming to town and his father inquired and decided that they should parade that car. They paraded the car, some people came, saw it, and looked at, eh, you know, belongs to the museum maybe. But then one person who apparently was running the whole car show saw the car and knew the value of that car. Upon finding out the owners of that car, there was an auction and that auction fetched more money than the shop in which that car was repaired. The moral of the story is that, you know, sometimes the value of a thing is determined by the creator, the possessor, and the desire. Our value is determined by the creator. He put his seal on you, he put his seal on me. Now, as if that were not enough, God is also your number one desire, because when we were on a highway to hell, he sent his best to save his best. You are his best and Jesus Christ is his best. So God sent his best, he paid his best to rescue his best. As if that were not enough, after being the creator and the pursuer, He wants to be the one who possesses you. Because when you want to buy something from me and I set the price above the market standard, I have the right, why? Because it's mine. And the price God puts on your head and my head is that it's non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. It's almost like when you give a basketball to a young kid in a driveway, You could break some windows or damage some cars. If you give that same basketball to a basketball player, it could be worth millions of dollars. We must make sure that our expectation of hope is placed in the one in whose hands our value is retained. The enemy would want you to put your hope and your worth in what the world determines as valuable. But in God's word, we find out that our values and our valuables are determined by him. I like to put it this way. The Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. So in other words, the original construction engineer or architect of the world as we see it, when he wants to tabernacle and have a place to rest, he doesn't go into the biggest buildings. He comes into your heart and he comes into my heart. That's value. That is value. In other words, you know, when presidents want to sleep somewhere in New York City, I used to work in New York City some years ago. And whenever the president was going to stay in New York, he had only one hotel he chose, the Waldorf Astoria. Why? Because that's the hotel in which they, they thought that the amenities would befit his status. Well, let me tell you something. When God wants to tabernacle on earth, he doesn't go into the Grand Canyon. He doesn't go on Mount Everest. He inhabits the praise that we give him. In other words, he puts so much value in us. And this is a value that the world neither understands nor can uphold. And when we put our value in what the world offers or when we put our hope and our worth in what the world offers, We're like that little baseball that's being thrown in the driveway. It has only one way. It's going to crash in somebody's window. But that same baseball in the right hands, in the right ballpark is worth so much more. We are called to understand our worth so we can put our hope in the unshakable word that God gives us. The third illustration is, is, is one illustration by the master of illustrations, Jesus Christ. He told this parable and there's so many lessons from this parable and I see the value of human life. I see the value of the souls that Christ rescues in this parable. In this parable, um, in the book of Luke chapter 15, verse 11 onwards, the story is told of a prodigal son whereas the story is actually focused on the love of the father, it's entitled The Prodigal Son. And in this Prodigal Son story, a man had two sons, and his younger son came up to him one day. I mean, in today's world, it's probably an email or a text message, right? But the message got across, that dad, um, I know you're not dead yet, and I don't wish that you die now, but I'd rather you give me whatever you're gonna give me when you die. Like, wow, um, But nevertheless, the father obliged and gave this young man whatever he asked for. The Bible says he left home and went away and lived um, a very shaky lifestyle. I don't know what made this young man leave home and go. Maybe he was being sold, an an upgrade was offered to him that maybe where you live now, you lack this or you lack that. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy always tries to, Lure us with a supposed upgrade. So he left home with all his wealth, and the Bible says he squandered his wealth on righteous living. The Bible says it got so bad. This was a recession of recessions. It got to a point in time he had to think or consider eating from the same bowl as the pigs that he was supposed to be feeding. The Bible says he came to his senses and decided to go back home. Why go back home? Because he said, how many servants in my father's house have more than enough to eat and enjoy all the pleasantries? So the Bible says he made a U-turn and he headed back home. The posture the Bible shows of, shows of his father is a father who daily, continuously, is looking out to see if that son is coming back home. Now, in his eyes, he had gone to the lowest level possible, but in his father's eyes, he was still royalty. In his eyes, he was a rascal, but in his father's eyes, he was royalty. In his eyes, he knew he was a prodigal, but in his father's eyes, he was a precious man a precious son. Isn't it so like in our lives today, sometimes we put value on ourselves based on what we have experienced, based on what we've gone through. We put value on ourselves based upon how we feel. You know, our feelings are so shakable that we cannot hinge our hopes or our value or our worth on that, Feelings are so deceptive that there's a story about a man who got married. On his wedding day, you know, he had the first dance with his bride, and while they were dancing, the gentleman looked at his bride and said, Honey, I don't know about you, but uh, the wedding is almost over, and I don't feel married. I don't feel any different. And the lady looked at him and said, Honey, adjust your feelings to the fact because you are married. And sometimes we have to adjust our feelings to the truth because feelings are not worth putting or hinging your hopes on. The Word of God is, the Bible says, all things that we see and experience and know shall pass away. You know what will not pass away? The Word of God. So when I want to find out what my value is, I don't look at the NASDAQ. I don't check the Dow Jones. I look at the word of God. Why? Because it will always retain the hope of the value or the worth that God has placed in me. In the story of the prodigal son, a few things stand out to me that I believe are worth our consideration. The first thing is that we have an irrevocable identity. And why is that important? It's important because God's love for you is not primarily based on your activity or your productivity. That's your employer. Your employer likes your productivity and your activity. That's why you know when you're working, they check what you're doing and then they check your bottom line. God is not like that. What God is interested in is primarily your identity. What's your identity? You're his child. That was more important than him trying to make ends meet by feeding pigs. That is why there was no process of restoration when he came back home. He was feeding pigs, but when he got home, he was given a ring, he was given a robe, and he was given a celebration. Why? Because he was never a non-child. He was always a child. He was always a child. So we have an irrevocable identity as children of God. The next thing is that his privileges were only activated based on his proximity. You can be a child of God, but if you're operating in the world value system, there's a way that you can miss out on the privileges of a child of God. Now, while in the house, he had every privilege that the father had. But while he was outside, all he had was his identity. But his activity and his productivity were different. When we tabernacle under the word of God, when we stay in the God's in God's value system, our productivity is different. Our activity is different. And in this case, we see this young man, despite being a son, his testimony was different. Why? because he wasn't staying in the proximity. Sometimes our minds wander to places where God's reception tower will not go. And I like to use the example of a cell phone. You know, until I got connected to the Valleybrook Wi-Fi, once I'm recording sermons here, nobody can hear from me. It's because I, I still have my phone, the same number, charged and everything, bills paid, but you can't reach me. Why? Because I'm out of the coverage area. We must be careful not to let our minds wander to places where, for lack of a better term, we are roaming, searching to find God. Proximity is so important, and that is why we must understand to stay within the confines of what the Word says. I like to look at it this way. Meditation and worry have the same effort. When you worry and you meditate, it's the same effort. One is positive and one is negative. One is hope-filled and one is fear-filled. When I remember the hope that I have in the word of God, regardless of how I feel, rather than worry, I choose to meditate. The third thing is that dirt does not devalue or destroy our identity in Christ. There are things that happen to us that we have no control of. Even when we have control of it, God's love is so far reaching that it will never, ever look at you as a non-child. As shown in this example, this young man was meddling in things that were an abomination to the Jewish culture in the day. But according to the the, the story and illustration that Jesus gave, that did not bother the father. You know why? Because the identity of a person is etched in who God says they are, not in where they find themselves or not in what they find themselves doing. Actually, it's when you realize that identity, that is what shapes your activity and that's what begins to shape your activity and your productivity, sorry. The fourth thing is that hope helps us make healthier decisions whilst fear makes us choose fatal decisions. So for example, this young man could have decided that I've come too far to go back home. So at this point, I'm just gonna keep going. But the hope that he had, that the conditions in the father's house remain the same. And guess whose pictures are Adorned in the walls of the house, the same son who was far away. When our minds wander to places where we feel hopeless, let's remember the hope that we have. The conditions that exist in the heart of God is that you are valuable and that you are worth something. No matter what the world goes through, no matter what we feel, no matter what we experience and encounter or endure, God's value upon your life remains the same. Paul puts it this way. Our our salvation was not purchased with um, um, cheap blood, so to speak, but the imperishable, expensive, valuable, priceless, matchless blood of the lamb. That's your value. God paid his best for his best. You are his best, and Christ was, was his best. So if hope is that important, how do we maintain this hope? Or how do we get this hope? How do we get this unshakable hope so that no matter what we feel, go through, experience, encounter, or endure, we can say our hope is unshakable? Romans 15 verse four holds an answer. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So the next time you're feeling down, it's not a time to check your horoscope. The next time you're feeling down, don't listen to what pop psychology is saying. Go to the word of God, because the words that are written therein listen to what the Bible says through patience and endurance, it teaches us to have hope. teaches us to have hope. Job chapter eight, verse 13 to 14 teaches us what happens when we don't have hope. It says, the same happens to all who forget God. The hopes of the godless evaporate. Their confidence hangs by a thread. They are leaning on a spider's web. Now, I don't know about you, but as immaculate and intricate as a spider's web may look like, it's nothing to put your hopes on because it holds no weight. Contrary to that, the Word of God is backed by the power and the sovereignty of God Himself. The last but not the least, 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven you. This tells us of having rest. It's an inheritance that will never fade, it will never diminish, and it will never be diluted. I don't know about you, but this is the hope that I can rest on. This is a hope that I can feel safe in. And that hope is found in the Word of God. And this hope is for you and it's for me. In closing, I want you to bow down your heads for just 30 seconds. And I just want you to focus on the promises therein. The Bible says that there are, there are 128 or so uses of the word hope, giving us an assurance that regardless of what we encounter and endure, our value in God's eyes remains the same. Just think of His goodness. Meditate on his word. Thank you, Father, that we can have unshakable hope. Thank you, Father, that our worth is entrenched in your word and not what we feel, not what they say, or not even what we think. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
0: Thank you Pastor Paul. You know what you've gotten today is an inside look of what we understand our identity is as a follower of Jesus Christ and if you've never become a follower of Jesus, if you've never decided to believe in him, I want to give you the opportunity whether you're in the building here or with us online. So I'm going to invite everybody to bow their heads and I'm going to lead you through a prayer and give you the opportunity to pray it silently back to God. So let's pray. God we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for Jesus. We believe that you sent Jesus to pay for our sins. We believe that he died and rose again from the dead. And so we repent. We turn away from our sins. And we decide to follow him now, forever and ever. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we would love to encourage you in that step of faith. Please send us an email at connect at valleybrook.cc so that we can send you some material. Now, would you please stand as we sing our closing song?
1: Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.